suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Moran, and my brother, J.S., to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. We return today in episode 118 to the miracle at Dunkirk that took place in May and early June of 1940. We're talking World War II. If you will recall from our earlier episode, the British Expeditionary Force under the direction of Lord Gort had been ordered to fight a retreat to the beach of Dunkirk in hopes that they would be evacuated to England. They were completely surrounded by German forces. The outlook was bleak. The army, the entire BEF, faced either annihilation to the man or they would be captured as POWs. And Gort had ordered a retreat to Dunkirk and headquartered in London were relief efforts. And the orders to evacuate the BEF at Dunkirk had been given, but a small but brave Belgian army to the northeast was left in a terribly difficult position now, their flank completely exposed to German onslaught. England had not provided the Belgians advance notice of their retreat. Belgian King um, Leopold III returned the favor three days later by unilaterally deciding against the advice of military advisors and in opposition to the announced position of his country's government to personally surrender his entire nation to Adolf Hitler. Upon learning the awful, shocking news of, of King Leopold's cowardly surrender, Churchill, most gracious, graciously, it must be said, spoke of the news that this was not the time to pass judgment upon King Leopold's actions. You know, whatever the feelings the British might have, um, Upon the facts as they were understood at that time, he suggested that people remember that the sense of brotherhood between the many peoples who have fallen into the power of of the aggressor, Nazi Germany, and those who still confront him will play its part in better days than those through through which they were they were now passing. I mean. I mean, this, it's still goosebump-inducing. Um, Eighty years later, to read these read these words of Winston Churchill, the Belgians um, who'd exited an alliance with Britain and France in hopes of deterring Hitler clung. They just they just clung to this insane uh, policy of neutrality even in the face of the Nazi buildup in the months that had preceded the invasion. Um, And now they found their king selling out 
their country to Adolf Hitler in, and in what would turn out to be a very, very bitter subsequent occupation of Belgium by Nazi Germany uh, forces. And with their government in exile and the king personally capitulating to Germany, soldiers of, of Belgium faced a grim, <laughs> a grim immediate future. They faced annihilation. And and by the way, it should be pointed out that post-war, the people of Belgium spoke their true feeling. They spoke from their heart, um, voting overwhelmingly that the king need not return to Belgium. Such would be King Leopold um, III's fate. He had surrendered his army, sold out his people, and in the end, lost his country. You know, Belgian bitterness at the BEF retreat at Dunkirk without prior notice to the Belgian forces, I mean, that would prove to be a long-lasting bitterness. And as a result, their, their exposed flank to the Germans, they lost far more men in the fighting than did the BEF in this sector of the war. Belgium ultimately would succumb on May 28th, 18 days after their their civilized little country had been violated by Nazi Germany. They bravely, you know, extended their front line while English and French troops and forces fought their way south for evacuation uh, at Dunkirk. Farther south, on May 25, 1940, Churchill and Chiefs debated the fate of the British garrison fighting at Calais. Um, a possibility existed that the garrison might be evacuated to Dunkirk as well. But in the end, Churchill and the chiefs judged it to be the fate of the men at Calais that they must keep fighting a delaying action on behalf of the remainder of the BEF. Colonel William Nicholson was given written orders by Churchill himself to fight until such time as defense was no longer possible. Churchill had found the issuance of such orders so personally repulsive that he sent the telegram to Colonel Nicholson himself, knowing full well that uh, this delay action order um, equated to a death sentence to Nicholson and his men the best I could hope for would be capture and POW status uh, for Nicholson and all his men. And they held out and they held back the Nazis uh, and the Panzers for three days in, in fierce fighting, street by street, even building by building by building. But in the final analysis, the outcome really never was in doubt. And, and only at 4 p.m. on May 26, 1940, with no ammunition left, his troops now trapped in the Old Town section of Calais, Colonel Nicholson gave the general order that it was now each man for himself. Some fought on till they were killed. Others were rounded up and surrendered to capture. And, you know, that would translate into five years in a German POW camp before they would return to their families. Others tried to escape to make it to Dunkirk so that they too could be evacuated. For Colonel, for Colonel Nicholson, there would be no return. 
Um, he, 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 he would be taken as a POW, held in German captivity, and um, he, would, he would die before the war entered. You know, in an interesting sidebar, and I, I, and I know I always have sidebar stories, there were 46 soldiers in the garrison that managed to escape Calais. And they, they hid out until finally um, they, were, they found passage on a ship that returned them to England. One man, unfortunately, who didn't escape, one of the last POWs, um, that was captured at Calais was a 24-year-old uh, British soldier by the name of Airy Neef, and and he he had been an officer in the Royal Artillery Force, and he was wounded. He was taken POW, and he he later escaped twice from German POW camps. Um, later, Airy Neef. Um, established himself as a respected member of the British Parliament in, in, in just a wicked irony of events. Uh, naive, uh, airy naive, yeah, survivor of the awful machinery of death that was thrown at him by the world's greatest army at Calais, and and then having escape from the hell of of German POW camps Airy Nave he died he perished when he died by car bomb in 1979 at the hands of a degenerate loser army of misfits the IRA anyway back back on the morning of May 24th uh, General Gort and the BEF and 10 French divisions were now completely entrapped by German forces at, at less than 15 miles from Dunkirk. Panzer Division stood ready to tighten the noose around this desperate, stricken enemy force. And there seemed absolutely no possibility of escape. But then, in a decision debated by historians now for eight decades since... Hitler issued his generals his notorious halt order violating a real a truly cardinal rule of war never let up on a flailing enemy until he is dead in other words never take your foot off the snake until it's dead the panzers were ordered to proceed no further reasons for for Hitler's insane directive remain unclear Though rationale for the halt, you know, ideas have been presented to justify Hitler's orders. Hitler himself argued that the destruction of England wouldn't be in Germany's interest, best interest, um, as the chaos likely to ensue would require German involvement, of which he wanted none. This rationale, I mean, and after the fact explanation, completely defies analysis. German General Guderian recalled, we had it all, and Hitler blew it. And, you know, argument that General Guderian's panzer divisions had outraced supply lines 
and that fuel supplies were low. I mean, these arguments do make some sense, but they don't hold up to scrutiny when measured against the substantial gains that would accrue to Germany from the destruction of all enemy forces trapped less than 15 miles from the Panzer front lines. Allied resupply might have been possible. Maybe, maybe, but unlikely. But, but it, even if it could have been, it would have been done so under duress and likely undertaken only after the BEF and the French forces had likely been totally destroyed. Hitler might have rightly concern, been concerned that further advance exposed his flank to the remaining French forces. Remember that the uh, Weigand's army coming from the south didn't even exist in reality. Um, but there were French forces left, and, and, and in theory, they numbered like 1.6 million men. But they were demoralized, though not yet quite defeated, and though inadequately led and unaware of the strategic imperative of the time, they really posed very little risk to the Germans. And while this, you know, this flanking risk that Hitler referred to may or may not have been critical in nature, Hitler's decision validates for sure one absolute war maxim, that decisions in the midst of battle are best left to experienced tra uh, trained professional commanders on the scene, on the battlefield. And battlefield direction need be provided by the experts and not untrained political figures, including demon dictators from afar, which only lead to disastrous decisions. I mean, think of Bill Clinton's White House control of the disaster that engulfed U.S. fighting in Somalia in the, in the Black Hawk Down incident. This is why political figures far from the scene of fighting ought not to be involved. Hitler, mm, there's an argument to be made. He might reasonably have been deterred from finishing off the BEF, or at least making the effort to finish off the BEF, believing it to be of secondary importance to the capture of Paris and the, the finishing off of France first. For, for a man like Hitler, there was far greater glory in occupying Paris, the capital city of the arch enemy, you know, as, as the political communications and travel center of France, taking Paris would have been in Hitler's mind, no doubt, and would have amounted to a crippling of France with capitulation sure to follow. So perhaps one must keep in mind that each of Hitler's victories to date had been decisive, speedy affairs, as later with the American like shock and awe campaigns in the Middle East, Hitler had to look at Vienna, Prague, Warsaw, The Hague, Brussels. All, all these capital cities had been won in less than a month. Now in less than 14 days, less than 14 days, ancient enemy France's capital lay exposed for the taking, and Hitler was interested in taking it. And with only northern France under German control, you know, Hitler 
perhaps convinced himself to keep his eye on the prize, which was Paris. Hitler later said he'd never have he never had any intention of sending his um, panzers into the Flanders mud. Okay, perhaps, you know, per per the OKW staff, you know, the German military command, there existed one other reason to issue the halt order. At least there existed one potential reason. Goering had assured Hitler that his Luftwaffe would finish off the BEF on the beaches of Dunkirk. You know, he, he, he's smirking. Only, only fish bait would reach the other side. While, while, while Hitler was very, very familiar and knew Goering was prone to, to making all sorts of outlandish claims, you know, outrageous promises that he, that he always failed to deliver on, Hitler might have found, in this case, that Goering's assertion, um, exactly what he, what he wanted to hear, you know, deluding himself as much as Goering had. Goering would get the job done, uh, might be a reason that Hitler stopped his panzers. German generals, I mean, most despised Hitler. You know, the, the, the corporal, as Churchill always referred to him, they, they were incensed by this halt order. Panzer commander von, von Thoma said of, of Hitler, it is impossible to talk to a fool. Now, Field Marshal von Rundstedt wrote that the halt order was one of the turning points of the war the entire war, and that fault lay completely with Hitler. However, Rundstedt, his own diary indicated that he himself had called for a halt of the panzers until such time as more infantry um, was brought forward in support of the panzer divisions. No, no matter the ultimate reasoning, it was, it was absolutely a divine deliverance for England, one providing the the country a sliver of hope that its BEF might be rescued from those beaches and Hitler history shows that Hitler's halt order was a lucky break for the Allies and one that they would take total advantage of the war might have ended much differently had England not existed as an independent country, had the U.S. not be, been able to stage the Normandy invasion from England, Hitler would not have had to deploy forces in the West, and the Allies would have had no place to land on the continent of Europe. Such was the outcome of the Halt Order, another heir of Hitler. Hey, thanks for listening. Have a good day and goodbye. Inside game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness 
of life examined Time can't be returned Misguided and all of my own At least that's what I thought I failed to see that I belong Everything I'm also Just a drop of rain and a thunderstorm Another grain of sand on the beach A blade of grass on a mountain field Another call on a rush house Could I miss what was in front of me? Two eyes that can't make you see. It's the mind that paints all these pictures, like the mirage of the desert. Sea. I misread all the signals. I never knew that I'd be lost. I thought those from where. Mistakes, just things that I've done I can tell and I've broken the heart Can she forgive me? Can she forget? Can she keep us from falling apart? I hope that she knows that I'm in no harm My demons, they led me astray 